morning. Welcome each one here this morning, and it's been a blessing to be in God's house already and to hear the words of the Lord. Appreciated the uh, devotional this morning, and each each thing we've we've heard, I would have plenty to to think about if we went home now. But uh, thankful for the opportunity to be in God's house and study His Word again together this morning, and uh, pray that the Lord will. Uh, feed us and help us to grow in our knowledge and understanding of him and our heart after him. Let's begin with the word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Just pray that you would quiet our hearts before you, Lord, and help us to listen to your voice. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible and that we have it uh, readily accessible to us. Lord, I pray that you would give us understanding and insight and your light to shine in our hearts this morning and draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray that uh, the words that are spoken would be your words, uh, they would be truth and life, and that you would get glory to your name. Thank you for the Lord Jesus and for life in him, and that we can be your children Lord, thank you for this privilege, and I pray that you would help us to um, take it seriously and that we would apply ourselves to um, learning and growing and serving you more faithfully. Thank you for the encouragements we've already had this morning. Continue to work in our hearts with those truths and uh, draw us each closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of uh, the message this morning is Luminous, just the one word, Luminous. I'm going to start out with a definition of the word Luminous. It is full of or shedding light, bright or shining, especially in the dark. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. One of my children asked me earlier this week, what are you going to preach about, Dad? I said, well, I'm sure it'll be something out of the Bible. And uh, so (laughs) uh, I figured we'd start at the very beginning and just see how far we get. Um, But we'll we'll have to skip around a little. Um, But anyway, I do want to start at the beginning. I'd just like to read the first five verses of Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. Light originated with God and revealed his first work of creation. So it said in verse 1 that God created the heaven and the earth. But if you can imagine, if you can imagine this room being pitch black, so dark you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face, you wouldn't know what's in here. Even though there's things in here, you wouldn't, well, you would know because you've been in here before, but... um, so the heaven and the earth were there, but you couldn't see them, right? And God revealed his first work of creation by saying, let there be light. He created this, and then he wanted the earth to see it, uh, wanted it to be visible. So God created light, and God saw the light that it was good. And he divided the light from the darkness. This was over 6,000 years ago, all the way at the beginning, so... Can't quite say that light was the first thing that God created, but um, it was one of the first, very first things. So, what's what's so special about light? Why uh, why would we have a message about light here? Well, we'll we'll get into several several different things and aspects, but I want to uh, explore how light has uh, an effect on our lives and how God uses light 
in his kingdom uh, for his purposes. I'd like to turn to the New Testament now, uh, John chapter 8, and read a verse there. John chapter 8, verse 12. Then spake Jesus unto them, again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. So the, the light of life. What is the light of life and why should we have it? He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. Having the light of life is imperative for every Christian. Everyone who wants to be uh, a Christian and follow the Lord, having the light of life is uh, a requirement. And it should influence every thought, word, and action that we have. Light brings... um, Light brings safety. Um, thinking back to that example, if this room was, was pitch black uh, and you couldn't see anything and you were sitting right there in the middle of those chairs, Michael, and we said, hurry, get out of here. Um, would you know where to run and what, and what to do? Would you be very confident to jump up and take off to try to get out of this room? Well, there would be, um, there would be a uh, fear and a hesitance about where to go and how to get there without hurting yourself. Would you know which direction to go? So God's light gives us direction. It gives us uh, confidence. But um, we have a part to play in how God's light illuminates our lives and and how we allow it to shine. Another uh, definition of luminous is emitting or reflecting usually steady, suffused, or glowing light, bathed in or exposed to steady light. So if you could think of uh, what is the source of steady light in the universe, um, that including, including the spirit world, so God would be that light. He is the, um, the source of light. And, of course, we can also think about uh, the sun, and how the sun is always shining, the sun is always present even when we can't see it. Um, but God's light is also always there. Uh, I'd like to look at just a couple accounts uh, briefly in Scripture of uh, people who encountered that shining light and the effect that it had. Um, I think I'll start here in, in John chapter 1, since we're close by. John chapter 1, verse 4 through 9, speaking of Jesus, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Go through verse 9. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, capital L, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. And I'd like to read verse 17 yet. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. There's another uh, individual I'd like to look at their encounter with light is Moses. So turn back to Exodus chapter 34. Moses here, his encounter with God when he received the, the commandments of the Lord. Uh, this was uh, actually the second time into the mount. Uh, the first time, as we know, uh, he had come down from the mount and um, broken the tablets of stone because of uh, what the children of Israel were doing and the anger or wrath there. And then he went back and met with the Lord again, 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai. 
and uh, just read a few verses here, Exodus 34, 29 through 35, and talk about this just a little bit more. And it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward, all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. Until Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So here Moses had uh, a face-to-face encounter with God. And what was the result? A luminous face. Uh, He was... He was shining, literally. And just that um, that example of how God's light um, illuminated Moses' uh, physical appearance, I think, is, is an example or a comparison to how the light of God, the light of life in our hearts should be illuminating our lives and our thoughts, words, and actions. And... Um, in our countenance. You know, have you ever seen someone where you could just tell just by looking at them that they had the light of Jesus in their hearts? Have you ever had someone tell you that there's just something different about about you, the way you look? I can just tell uh, you have something uh, inside. Um, I don't think too many times today uh, we see people whose faces are emitting light too much, but uh, but maybe that still happens. Um, there was a, a verse in Acts about the, the account of Stephen being stoned, where I think that maybe was happening. It said it looked like he had the face of an angel. He was, he was beholding the face of God, <clears throat> the presence of God. One more account I'd like to look at briefly is Matthew uh, 16, 17. Actually, I might just pick out a couple verses there and then read the account in Mark. Uh, it's the account of the transfiguration. So, in Matthew 16, I was noticing uh, verses 21 through 28. Uh, Jesus was speaking with his disciples, <clears throat> teaching them, um, trying to... Um, shine truth and light in their hearts. Um, He was speaking to the disciples there. Peter uh, was rebuking the Lord for for saying that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Um, And Jesus turned to to Peter and and rebuked him and said that, that, uh, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savest not the things of God, but those that be of men. Then he, then he uh, instructs them about denying themselves, taking up their cross, and following him. And verse 27, When the Son of Man shall come in the, in the glory of his Father with all his angels, then he shall reward every man according to his works. And I'd like to hold on to that thought about works a little bit. We're going to talk about that some more in a, in a few minutes. Um, and then chapter 17 begins the account of the transfiguration. And like I said, I think I'll go over to Mark to read that. But um, just one thing to point out here. It says, And after six days, Jesus taketh Peter and James and John his brother. <clears throat> um, I'm going to go over to Mark and read there. But I, I was intrigued that it says the same thing over in Mark. Uh, Mark recorded that it was after six days that they did this. So um, I don't have an answer to why it says that, but I've... I thought I'd throw it out there and let one of you brothers tell me later why it says after six days, why that's an important part. So Mark chapter 9, verse 1 through 8. I'm going to read the account of the transfiguration here. 
And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there be some of them that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto them Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And, and there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man any more, save Jesus only with themselves. <clears throat> Speaking of, of the light uh, influencing our thoughts, words, and actions, um, had to notice Peter here. Uh, he, he spoke up in the middle of this uh, display, uh, this example, uh, this testimony that Jesus was allowing them to, to behold. And it says that Jesus was standing there talking with Elijah, uh, Elias, and Moses. <clears throat> and it says, and Peter answered and said to Jesus. Well, it seems to me he was interrupting their conversation. Um, and it doesn't seem that Jesus addressed Peter, so, but he was answering him anyway. Uh, it says in the next verse that Peter wist not what to say. He didn't. He didn't know what to say, so he just said something. Um, maybe some of us would be better off not saying anything when we don't know what to say. And if we have Christ's light in our hearts informing our words and actions, I think that would be the more likely um, result. And Peter, um, maybe this was more in the account in Matthew that I had noticed this. It seemed like before he was done talking, God spoke. And um, so he, the, the cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Uh, so Jesus' Jesus' voice, Jesus' light, is what we need to allow to be uh, filling our lives and informing our lives and directing each aspect of our lives. <clears throat> so... How does, it, how does the light of life affect me and what difference will it make in my life? Um, and, and how do I let Jesus' light shine and not diminish that? You know, there's verses that, that talking about, talk about <clears throat> letting our light shine before men, but it's letting the light of Jesus shine because we, we don't have the capability or the power within ourselves to produce light but we can be filled with light and, and reflect light and emit the light that God puts within us or that God shines through us. <clears throat> so there's, a, there's an analogy uh, that has just stood out to me as I've um, thought about it, uh, learned about it. It, uh, it does relate to the work I do, so it, that's, that's where... My um, exposure to it has been, uh, but I, I think it, it helps me to understand and realize the difference between how God's light can inform our lives and how sometimes uh, things that are a little confusing, such as uh, works. I mentioned works earlier here, and that we'd talk about that some more. Uh, good works can be done two different ways. Um, and they can be inspired by God and through light, or they can come from the heart of man. They can be for an ulterior motive. Uh, and how do we how do we know the difference? Um, so the analogy that I'd like to like to use or talk about real quick is um, two two different uh, methods of producing color. Um, so I'm going to use the board here just a little bit. <clears throat> There's there's two main uh, color methods that, that I'd like to, to look at a few examples of uh, and, and how it relates to this thought. So how many of you have a, um, 
have a printer at home, an office printer, okay? Um, and a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them have uh, four ink cartridges. Can anybody tell me what those four colors are? Black is one, okay? Cyan is one. Magenta. I knew you'd help me out, James. <laughs> All right. So that's one, that's one color model, um, which is what we use for, uh, printing color. Um, there's, there's another way that color is displayed, and it's the way color is produced on your, uh, screens or digital devices. <clears throat> um, if there's, if there's light behind that color, there's a different, a set of colors that are used to produce all the other colors we see. Um, that is, it's called RGB, but it's red, green, and blue. So um, these these two different models of color, CMYK is called a subtractive color, and RGB is an additive color. Uh, the color color models. Um, so when we we think about uh, CMYK, it's like a, a static or print color, and RGB is uh, light or uh, display color. So I brought a couple things to uh, to illustrate this. <coughs> So additive color, or RGB, is um, illuminated. Um, CMYK, the print color, is a is a passive color. Uh, RGB, additive light, emits color, and CMYK subtracts color. So if I can get these papers out. And what I'd like to... What I'd like to think about here is that um, additive color or the color of light is <clears throat> is God's is is related to or comparable to God's color, um, and that CMYK or subtractive is color of of man or our own. Our own efforts. So <clears throat> this 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 circle represents the cyan portion of of printed color. Um, so we have that cyan circle right there, and really what that printed color is doing is it's uh, it's reflecting, it's it's absorbing all the colors of light that hit it except for cyan. So it's absorbing. Uh, magenta and yellow and uh, the other colors and letting your eye see the the cyan color and same here um, it's taking away so the the light that hits it has all the colors possible to be able to to see or perceive but uh, the color that's printed on the paper takes away and then reveals just uh, let's say less um, than what than what you could see. When you start to uh, mix these colors is when you get other colors. And so as you see these uh, overlapping colors here, um, you get you get darker colors. You see here, actually, it's kind of interesting. When you overlap these colors, you end up with a red, green, and blue. Uh, and then in the very center, when they're all overlapped, you get black. So that's actually the absence of, of color. Um, this is <clears throat> the same thing, just zoomed in a little bit, a little bit further. Um, and then, and then of course, you know, this, this is printed here, just with black, and it's, it's absorbing all the other colors, so all you see is black. So, I guess, uh, one comparison that I'd like to think about or keep in mind with that, the color of man as we do things and as we uh, do good works even, um, 
the, all the efforts that we do, it gets darker. Um, it doesn't get brighter. It doesn't get lighter. Um, our, our efforts can only absorb light and color, um, not, not produce brightness or the light of life. <clears throat> when, so when, 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 all, when the full intensity of all the colors of the CMYK platform are present, then you have, you have black. I'd uh, also like to look just a little bit at how the, the other colors, the RGB colors or the colors of light, behave. Um, Sean, could you hit those lights for me? <clears throat> and I'm going to see if I can get this come down here for... Uh-huh. Hey, there it goes. Okay. Um, so I have I have a couple lights here. Let's see which one this one is. Green. Okay. And red. We still have a good bit of sunlight coming in. And blue. Yeah. Thank you, James. That'll make this easier to see. Thank you. <clears throat> so the colors uh I'd like to maybe think about as as the colors of God here. Um when when his light is is influencing our actions or when uh when it's a work of of God, as those things as those things overlap, they they become brighter they produce they produce other colors let's see um let's see if i can get this a little better so it's a little hard to see there but those those combined are creating the magenta in the middle but when god's when god's colors are all present and all overlapping they produce pure white a little, a little hard to see there. It's kind of far away, but I think you can see that. So those, you can turn the lights back on. Thank you. Um, God's color or display color, uh, it's a, it's an additive color, and it emits light. When the full intensity of God's color or of of RGB, let's say, are present, uh, we see white, and it's considered uh, a pure color uh, model because the color that's produced is the color that you see. Man's color over here, CMYK, is considered impure color because the color uh, that you see is based on what it's removing from your vision. It's not, It's in a sense, it's actually not that color that's being emitted. If I let that go, that might be kind of... There we go. So I've thought about this and and how uh, for for quite a while actually, um, and how does that? What can I learn from that? What can I? Uh, how can I use that? How does God want me to use that in my own? heart and mind and experience um, to understand this thing of being filled with light and because it's just fascinating to me how how that works um, there's one other aspect that I'd like to um, illustrate here before moving on and that's that's something that we call um, color gamut um, so a, a gamut is like the full range of something, uh, and if you were to if you were to think about all the colors in the world and and put them inside this uh, this square and have you know, your your extreme colors 
in all the, the corners. You've probably all seen an illustration before that has all those colors in it. A color gamut then is restricted by the colors that a certain color model can produce. Um, we, we don't have ways, uh, man-made ways to produce all the colors that God can produce. Um, the, all the visible colors in the world, I don't have an exact number for you, but millions and millions of colors uh, in the man-made ways of producing color, whether through print or through uh, displays, we can't replicate all of them. So uh, there's, there's um, a graph that would show what section of these colors your, your color method or color model can represent or, or can, can produce. And uh, CMYK, or the color of man, can, can only get about a section that large of colors reproduced. Um, <clears throat> so then the display color, RGB, additive color is is a lot a lot more it's about like that probably um, so then there there are still some colors out here that we can't reproduce but uh it's interesting to to notice the the difference between the subtractive and the additive color and the capabilities there um, i i like to think of the Visible colors or the, or the colors we can see in the universe as being, uh, divine, the divine color gamut. And then, uh, the display colors being like the, uh, spirit filled, spirit filled Christian color gamut, maybe. Uh, and then the, um, the CMYK or the subtractive color, uh, that small section is, uh, it could be man's color gamut and or, uh, good works that could be either additive or subtractive because, you know, that's another thing about this section right here. You can produce them with light or without. Um, so you can, you can produce it on a paper. You can also produce it with, uh, additive light or RGB. So then how do we, how do we discern, discern or how do we, uh, how do we use that to, to understand our lives and our actions. So the question to me is, uh, is the light within me, is the light um, informing my thoughts, words, and actions? And maybe just the basic question is, why do I do what I do? What's the reason behind it? <clears throat> um, I'll grab a songbook here real quick. Number 461 in the, in the uh, songbook here is a song called uh, Would Men Know. It says, Would men know you've been with Jesus? Can they feel his presence near? As with them you joy in labor, as with them you journey here. Would men know by word and action, in the small things of this life, in the daily round of duty, in the midst of toil and strife, inasmuch as unto others you have done these things, said he, Unto me ye did the service, witness that all men may see. Not by word of lip, full often, is the world convinced of truth, but the deed of loving service from the heart brings fullest proof. That from the heart part is a very important part. Um, <clears throat> the deed of loving service from the heart is what brings fullest proof. There's a message by Charles Spurgeon that he preached on May 4th in 1890 um, that was called The Shining Face of Moses. And I enjoyed many things uh, that, I, that I read in that message, but um, I uh, picked out just a couple thoughts that I'd like to, to read over here. Uh, this, is, this is quoting from, from that message and thinking about the... Why do I do what I do? And thinking about those actions or those activities, those works that might be in this in this center category within the gamut that could be spirit-filled, it could be man's works, or it could um, it can be either. So each one of us to to examine in ourselves. <clears throat> it may be profitable to remember that Moses had not seen the shining of his own face 
because it had never once entered his thoughts to wish that his face should shine. Uh, we would read back there, it says, Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone. <clears throat> that is true beauty of character which comes without being sought. I mean, unconscious excellence, a character which commands an admiration which it has never desired. Are we not too apt to wish to be so bright that others may see us? Have we not labored to grow in grace so that we might outgrow others? Does no man pray for success in his ministry with a little squint of his eye toward an ambition to be thought so useful? Does no sister ever seek the salvation of her Sunday school class so that she may be esteemed in the church as a remarkable soul winner? Did you never pray for holiness and really mean that you wished that others would consider you holy? Have you never prayed in public with great fervor with a half-suppressed wish to be thought a special man of God? Would it not have been greatly gratifying to hear men say, what a prayer that was? Have you not even labored to be humble so that you might rejoice in your humility? I'm afraid it is so. We often pray, Lord, make my face to shine. But Moses never had such a wish, and therefore when it did shine, he did not know it. He had not laid his plans for such an honor. Let us not set traps for personal reputation or even glance a thought in that direction. That's the end of the quote from his message. So that those thoughts were also the... Um, the considerations are that that were going through my mind is is how do we how do we allow God's light to be what influences everything that I do and say and and avoid um, doing things that even good things things that look good or that are good with the wrong motives and having it um, produce a color that's man-made um, and that's not that's not um, infused with light. And the word luminous is is how I um, have have been thinking about that in in this um, context. Is is my life luminous? Am I doing what I'm doing because of the effect of God's light in my heart? So, who gets the glory for your good works? Whose glory do you do it for? Matthew 5.14 says, uh, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. Okay. <laughs> and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So, am I doing what I'm doing and I'm uh, shining this light so that they may see my good works or so that they may glorify the Father which is in heaven? Like Moses didn't know his face would shine. We, don't, we shouldn't necessarily be thinking about whether somebody's seeing our good works but that they're glorifying our Father which is in heaven. And the more that we stay out of the way, in a sense, and let Jesus' light shine through us, that's, that's what will happen. Um, when we get in the way, we start absorbing light, and we start absorbing color. Um, so that's, that's why that, that model of, of subtractive color uh, just sticks in my mind well, is because... When I start putting my own efforts into it or, or a, um, or a grasp at the glory, it starts subtracting color rather than allowing God's light <clears throat> to add and increase that color and that shine, the shining of His light. You know, Jesus' parable of, of the judgment day and those, the, the two groups of people that came before Him, um, when He was separating the sheep from the goats, uh, talks about this, this very difference. The one group, uh, he, he said, um, that they were, um, that they were accepted and uh, that they had done well and they, they 
um, asked, you know, how, and he said, well, you, uh, you visited me when I was in prison, you fed me when I was hungry, you clothed me when I was naked, and, and they asked, well, when did we do that? And he said, well, every time you did it to the least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. So those, those people were not even thinking about, you know, what they were, their good works that they were doing. Well, then he turned around and spoke to the other group and uh, said he never knew them and that they were um, cast into, into punishment. And, and they, they, they said, well, when did we, when did we not do all those things? You know, they were, they were saying that we've, we've, we've done everything we should have done. Uh, but he said that they had the things that they did for the wrong reasons, let's say, paraphrasing, um, were, were worthless. They were subtracting uh, from God's glory. They were not adding to it. <clears throat> and, and that made all the difference in these actions that both groups of people had that were within this area here, probably, um, that you could do it either out of a motive of your own heart, out of a motive of, of man, or through the influence and light of God. So what are we thinking about when we do a good work? <clears throat> two examples in the Bible I thought of, that, uh, or, or two contrasting examples that I thought of uh, con- that contrast similar actions with different motives and very different results are uh, Cain and Abel. I'd just like to read a couple of verses, Genesis chapter 4. Verse 3 through 7. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first things of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance was fallen. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So here we had very similar actions by Cain and Abel. And yet, one was accepted and the other one was not. And we've talked about that before. You know, why, uh, you know, why this, why that? Did, did God, like the... Um, the um, offering from the flock better than vegetables, or no? It was it was where their heart was when they when they brought this offering to the Lord, and what was influencing or inspiring the actions of their hearts. Um, and then uh, a New Testament example: these these two men weren't together uh, in their in their actions or their example, but the contrast was interesting to me. Uh, Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter eight said he believed the Lord and you know believed in Jesus and started following him. And then he saw the disciples um, laying on hands and people receiving the, the Spirit. And then he went and asked, how much can I buy that for? Um, can, I, can I pay to have that power as well? Well, it was obviously the, the influence of, of his uh, selfish heart or his, the heart that wanted glory that was inspiring him to ask for that or to seek after that. Then the contrasting example was um, the uh, Philippian jailer. When he came, and he said, what must I do to be saved uh, after the earthquake? And um, his, his motives, the motives of his heart were pure and they were inspired by the light and the desire for light. <clears throat> so how can we have a, a luminous life? Um, what, did, what did Moses and Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, Stephen, others, what, what did they have in common? Um, they were beholding the face of God and they were fellowshipping with him in his presence. You know, where can where can we get that shine? Where can we get the illumination? Um, I think it's by fellowshipping with God, drawing nigh to Him as Moses did, talking with Him face to face. We can receive the glow of His holiness. And it's another small aspect that 
we probably don't have time to go into thinking about how all the ways that it would relate, but um, things of uh, objects that glow and how light shines on them and then they glow for a while. Um, and obviously we need, uh, there needs to be energy to produce light. And so there's, there's particles in those um, objects that have the capability of glowing that store the energy and then release it slowly. But then how do they glow again? They have to be exposed to the light again. And how do, how do we, uh, how do we see the relationship of fellowship with God to how the light can be emitted in our lives? I think there's some, I think there's some realities and some comparisons to us being able to glow with the light of God, but we also need to continually be connected and recharging, uh, in fellowship with God so that that glow doesn't fade away. And you know, as children, we get those little, uh, glowing stars and, or things of that nature. And then we, we know we, we want it to glow as bright and as long as it possibly can. So, uh, we, we take it and we find the brightest light that we can put on it and we hold it for as long as our patience will allow. And then we go into a dark closet or something and, and watch it glow. So, um, I guess that kind of, that kind of, uh, convicted me to think about that and then to think about how, how little, exposure to the light sometimes I feel like I can go with, you know, spend five or ten minutes with the Lord in the morning and I think I can go for the entire day and be emitting his light to others. Um, I think I need to be more intentional and more excited about staying as close as possible to that brightest light uh, for as long as possible before going out and trying to uh, to shine and, and glow in my life during the day and having a, a constant exposure in my own heart and mind to the Lord. <clears throat> First Peter 2.9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God which worketh in you both to do, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. You know, that would be subtractive color. That you may be blameless and harmless, pure color. The sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We're the, we're the flashlights that Jesus wants to shine through. Um, we need to, uh, we need to be, um, keeping our lens clear and keeping our shadow out of the way, allowing God and Jesus to shine His light to the world. Are you afraid of the dark? I don't see any hands going up, but I think all of us would admit probably we're a little bit afraid of the dark, but, uh, I guess, Another question is, are you afraid of being dark? Uh, are you afraid of darkness in your own heart and in your life? I think I should be. Psalm 18:28 says, For thou wilt light my candle, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Go to God to get illuminated. Ephesians 5.8 says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Luke 11. The light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when thine eye is single, thy whole body also is full of light. But when thy eye is evil, thy body also is full of darkness. Take heed, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkness. You know, this, this can be the light that is in thee. Take heed that it be not darkness. When we do it on our own strength, when we do it with our own motives, when we do it for glory, it becomes darkness. If thy whole body therefore be full of light, having no part dark, the whole shall be full of light, as when the bright shining of a candle doth give thee light. Bright shining of a candle. And we don't want to put it under a bushel, but set it on a candlestick and that it may give light unto all that are in the house. Not that it may light up how good we are, but that it would 
show Christ's light and give God glory. Live in the light of God. And let him illuminate the output of your life. There's one more verse of a song I'd like to read real quick here. I can remember where I had the number. I don't think I got it in my notes, so I'm going to take that as a sign that I shouldn't read it. (laughs) There's a lot of songs that come to mind. This was actually a song that I don't know how to sing, but uh, the the words stood out to me, so I might find it later, but... um, Be luminous, let the light so shine before men that they would see God's glory and reflect all the glory to him. May the Lord help me and help each one of us in any situation where we're we're doing good uh, to not touch the glory that belongs to God. And as soon as we, as soon as our motives... um, influence uh, what we're doing by something other than the than the light that is in us it can change something good to darkness it can change light to darkness so god bless you as you endeavor to do that in your lives and pray for me as i endeavor to do that in my life may we each one encourage each other to serve the lord in the light of his glory and uh, shine the light to the world around us.